that is something that is part of a larger system to build out what family is and what family can be and what healing relationships can be. And that's just something that because of my experience, I'm not as swayed by because I've seen when people pitch in, you know, beautiful things can happen. All right. Well, we are here today with Toby Ewing on the Gravity Podcast. Toby, thanks for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's uh, hop right in and start at the beginning. Let me hear a little bit about kind of your childhood, your upbringing, your family dynamics. Yes, that's <laughs> what a loaded question to start off. No. Oh, I know um, it is. <laughs> Hop in wherever you want. No, exactly. No, it's it's funny because um, I have a small podcast that um, I run, and I actually start off our conversations with this question, um, specifically in regards to what people do creatively. Um, but I haven't been asked that question myself, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm putting myself in the seat that I put others in, um, mm-hmm. which is Yeah, good. I don't know which seat's harder, but um, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a fun, it's fun to try them both. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, yeah, my name's Toby. I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. I was born and raised here. Um, I'm actually back in Dayton after 10 years. I moved back last summer um, in June from Columbus and then... Uh, from New York, from Columbus, but um, I'm the oldest of three siblings. Um, I have a younger sister and a younger brother, and um, I'm their I'm their sister. I call like for an example, I call my brother my brother's son because we have such a large gap between us. Same mm. thing with my sister. So um, yeah, between my sister and I, we have about nine, ten years, and then between my brother and I. We are about 17 years, 17, mm. 18 years. Wow. So um, I I really enjoy being a big sister. Um, it's nice because I can be their sister, but also because I'm older, I have um, just like life wisdoms and things that I can share with them or different ways that I can be there for them um, that might be different if I was right in the same age as them and experiencing the same life that they're experiencing at the same time, just with age and things like that. So my sister's in college age. I mean, I'm, I'm already out of college, so I can kind of help her through that. Um, my brother's in middle school and I'm way much out of middle school, <laughs> so I can help him through that um, versus, us, I guess, learning the lessons at the same time. So it's a role that I've had for a while since I was 10. And um, it's a big part of who I think I am just as a person. Um, Family is important to me. Um, Yeah. What else could I say about that? Um, Well, tell me a little bit about your parents. My parents. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm named after my dad. So my dad's name is Toby as well. and my mom's name is Billy. And they both had me when they were teenagers in high school. So I really grew up with my parents. Um, and I'm very blessed to have grown up with both of them. Um, and they had me, like I said, in high school. Um, I experienced college with my mom. 
Um, I experienced and I've been experiencing life with both of them as they journey and navigate and figure out parenting, figure out themselves, figure out the family that they uh, want to cultivate. Um, my mom is a very creative person. She was a singer, is a singer and performer. Um, my grandmother, her mother is also a singer and performer. Um, so I have that interest of creativity a lot, I think, from them. And just, I guess, pursuing that, um, I think, definitely comes from seeing them go after their dreams as well, um, going after just the things that they just naturally enjoy. Um, they're, I would say, much more extroverted than I am. <laughs> so I've had my own, I guess, version and way of navigating pursuing um or how I've come into my creative confidence and things like that um but it was really awesome to see them just be creative and confident in that um my dad is very he's much more like calm he's he's hilarious he's a goofball so I get a lot of my silly antics um from him from him um fun fact I was I was named class clown as my senior superlative, <laughs> which I was very surprised to hear, but no one was <laughs> surprised to hear. But I was like, what do you mean? Um, but I think I'm a pretty good mix of both of them um, yeah. as far as the the calm and, and funny, but also the confidence and vocal um, as well as creative and imaginative and uh, visionary. Um, I also grew up a lot with my grandparents and um, my grandmothers, my great, uh, my grandfathers. Um, I have a great grandmother who's still living. Um, so I'm actually really happy to have that experience. I know it was a lot on my parents being young parents, um, but I'm really thankful for the village that we have and the ways I've been able to connect with not only my parents, but my grandparents, um, those older than me. And then also, like I said, my siblings. So I'm really in that pocket where I connect to everyone in intimate ways, but all in different ways, um, just mm. because of how life has connected us and, um, and how we have chosen to relate to one another personally, not just role to role, but mm. person to person. Mm. Yeah, I'm really curious about this. Um, so maybe yeah. you can elaborate a little bit more, um, maybe backing up even to this part of like growing up with your parents, um, mm -hmm. you know, which which is a very um, honest, you know, perspective, I think, and, and maybe a very healthy one to um, mm -hmm. choose to kind of uh, live into. You know, the idea that um, young parents, especially, mm -hmm. um, but I sometimes I'll say to my kids, you know, I've never done this before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I've yeah. never, you know, I never had babies. I've never had teenagers. I've never had college kids. I mean, now I've ha I have had all of those things, but like at each stage, it's the first time I've ever done this. Um, and I also was an older brother um, to two brothers that are, you know, significantly younger than I am. And so I had a little taste of, you know, parenting at a, at a young age. And even then, you know, you still don't know. And you're, you know, my case, I'm growing and changing and, you know, growing up, you know, a lot still. 
And, uh, yeah. and so I love that kind of frame that, you know, you grew up with your parents and you're still growing up with them. But I, I, what I'm curious about is, you know, maybe you just elaborate on that, but also kind of, you know, the way that you're relating to each other um, and, and, you know, kind of how it sounds like you're intentionally choosing to be in relationship. Yeah. Um, I give my parents a lot of grace. I think I give my parents more grace than they give themselves as parents. Um, and so a lot of our relationship, I guess, especially since with me being an adult, but honestly, starting very young, even as a, a young teenager, just, um, yeah, I don't know, just helping them to understand that they haven't made the mistake that society and the world tries to stigmatize. Um, I didn't have that. I didn't have that perspective because I'm their child, I'm their daughter. And so I'm not looking at it from this perspective of you're damned and you are irresponsible kids and all of this. Um, the perspective that I came into this was a baby that was born to these two people and um, that took care of me and had good times with. And that is, and, and challenging times with as well, just being frank. Um, but that is the perspective that I come with. I think my parents, especially coming from, uh, my parents were born in the 70s grew up through the 80s, had me in the 90s. And so that time period was not uh, an era and still, I mean, even still today, but that definitely that time period was not a, was not understanding or there wasn't really a lot of expansive narratives around teenage parenting. Um, what you would see or hear, what I've heard that my parents were told and, um, and were kind of fear fearful about is that you know they wouldn't graduate high school they wouldn't have any opportunities to pursue any further education whether that was college or a career school or um just a certification um that then statistics said that I would also not do well in school and I wouldn't go off to college and I wouldn't make anything of myself um and so if that's kind of being shoved in your face naturally there is a lot of um, I think shame and fear and possible guilt that you, you know, can absorb um, while you're still a child and while you're still develop developing, um, which I hate that because that is not the case. And I do think as long as people have support, especially, I mean, any, like you kind of mentioned, you're an adult now with kids and you're just like, never done this before. So hold my hand and we'll figure it out together. Um, I think that is even more relative, even for teenage parents than I think people think just because they're obviously teens and they're kids still, that it's automatically, automatically a terrible situation. And that's not the case. It's not automatically a terrible situation. Um, terrible situations in parenting can happen despite the narratives and despite the dynamics. And um, that is something that is part of a larger system to build out what family is and what family can be and what healing relationships can be. And that's just something that because of my experience, I'm not as 
swayed by because I've seen when people pitch in, you know, beautiful things can happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is uh, beautiful. And yeah, I'm kind of struck by this, like, you know, framing of uh, choosing to do things differently than maybe, you know, um, the, the societal narrative is. It's something I'm passionate about, you know, that um, in your case, you know, there's this probably pretty common dialogue um, or narrative around teenage um, pregnancies or, you know, teenage um, parenting, and it doesn't have to be true. Um, Now, sometimes the narrative gets developed because maybe it often is true, but it doesn't have to be. And if you show somebody a different way, um, then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in fact, my son was um, telling me about this guest uh, that Joe Rogan has on who um, converts Klansmen um, to get out of the clan. Um, be, and, and he does it by showing them a different perspective, you know, he, and it's like pretty miraculous, you know, um, yeah. you know, he's an African-American man who will get people who hate African-Americans to see things differently, you know, and sometimes that's what it takes is it showing people a different way, which is, you know, what it sounds like your parents did. Yeah, I think especially from that era, it was surprising because um, both my parents find students, but particularly my mom, she was she was, you know, the the brainiac, the whiz kid. So she was the one involved in all the after school programs and, you know, did well academically. And like I said, very confident and had a personality for herself um, very young. So. Just these assumptions that are not true (laughs) that we've made puzzle pieces and made to say that this equals this. And so during that time, that was the way that you, instead of teaching comprehensive, you know, uh, sexuality or sex education to to teenagers who possibly are in that space, um, it was just taught to be smart, do good at school, and you won't end up like those bad people who don't do those things. And part of the bad people category was teenage pregnancy. Um, and, and that wasn't the case, you know, any, you know, <laughs> we know, we know the birds and the bees and that's really, you just need one and two and mm-hmm. that equals the baby. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, your, your background and your interest that doesn't necessarily dictate or quote unquote save you from other life things. Um, but that was what was taught at that time. So uh, we've had plenty of conversations where she kind of teases and jokes and even my grand- grandmother to say like, we were so surprised because, you know, the signs weren't there. Um, and, you know, that just makes me, that had me questioning early, you know, what are the signs? What are actually the signs? And not even just in this particular case, but I think that just made me a curious person in general um, about our lives, how we navigate them, what things are true, what things are not true, what math uh, maybe is off, (laughs) what math is maybe completely wrong, um, why we're told certain things. Um, That's made me just a very curious person 
in general, I think that is what makes kind of, I can be more philosophical a lot in certain ways is because um, perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. Um, Knowledge is everything. And forgiveness of self is everything. And self-discovery is everything. Um, And that is what I choose to invest in versus fear tactics. Um, And things that we've been told saves us from certain life experiences that actually don't. And that actually really block the fullness of conversations that we can have because there are so many scenarios of how you can end up in a situation. Um, Some of them we're familiar with and some of them we're not. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. I, I really appreciate that point of view and, that um, philosophy, you know, for life. Um, and I'm curious, you know, kind of specifically in your own life, how um, that came to be. And also, um, you know, like what happens? Like, tell me, you know, as you start to kind of go into your, um, you know, young adult years, uh, yeah. you know, how your, you know, life experience and your family start to really shape who you are or how you decide to start to express who you are? Yeah. um, That's something that I have came about maybe in, (laughs) in a stressful way, but thankful for the experience. And I think as I've gotten older um, and have been able to just appreciate life for what it is, um, seeing the, the the positives also of challenging experiences. So I think one being an older sister and having that gap um, and having two working parents, he kind of mentioned like you were kind of um, not necessarily parenting, I don't know, but helping to raise, let's say helping to raise your siblings. And so I had a similar experience with that. So um, I think that put me in the position of, I'm not just a kid, but I'm a big sister. I have uh, people that depend on me, people that I have to care for, um, and people that I have to learn, um, learn about and people that I'm a part of protecting. So that was something that I, I really related to, or that I resonated with. Um, it wasn't something that I pushed away. Um, I think I was excited very early on about being a big sister. And then of course, seeing my siblings grow, I mean, is just so freaking cool. Um, I think coming into young adult, uh, and I kind of was talking about this the other day, but there is a point because of our age difference that I realized I can't be a parent. Um, I have to be their sibling. Um, And so finding out what that looks like, because I am 29 in my mind is maybe thinking about other things. And my sister's mind is thinking about other things. And my brother's mind is thinking about other things. Uh, How can I, you know, meet them where they're at? How can I still, how can I also instill wisdom in them, life lessons into them without it feeling like I'm their parents or that I'm mad at them or that I'm judging them or that they have to approach me with that kind of parent approach of, okay, let me get my story together and all of that. Um, so it's been important for me to, to keep that in mind, especially as I am um, 
maturing and getting older and things like that. And I think part of it that has helped me is to a lot of the self-work that I've been doing. So a lot of the forgiveness that I've been able to offer myself, the perspective I've been able to offer myself, the healing I've been able to offer myself um, allows me to be able to approach them in a more caring way and in a more human way and less in a I'm hard on you way or you have to be perfect and why did you think to do that and all of that kind of stuff. So... Mm Yeah, you, you can kind of only help others as far as you've helped yourself. And, and you know, that's um, great to hear that you've been doing that work. Um, and I'm curious about kind of your path into your work, um, you know, not just your personal work, yeah. professionally, and, and, you know, kind of how that starts to emerge for you um, and, and what that journey looks like. Yeah. So that journey, um, as a young person, I always was creative, always was artistic. Um, I think some of my first mediums of expression uh, were fashion design and dance. So those are like kind of the main things that I did as a kid. So the fashion design was completely intuitively guided. (laughs) I wasn't necessarily in any fashion program. Um, It was a dream that I had and it was so much a dream that I never thought it could happen. It was just like fun. Like you have, you see um, shows like a lot of uh, during that time, I think during high school, you have like the Hills and Laguna Beach and they all had like fashion internships. And I just love that. And I love to cut up clothes and I would always be painting things and cutting up things. And people would always kind of joke, like, don't leave too much things around Toby because it's going to end up being turned into something else. Um, and that was true. <laughs> I like to I like to have my hands moving. And if I saw something and I got a vision of what it could be, I was inspired to see that materialize. So um, I grew up as a dancer as well, um, starting at eight. And I danced all the way through high school um, and even a couple of classes during college. Um, and I bring that up just because I think that is when that gave me space to really connect with my body. Um, and build a relationship with my body. And so that relationship is something that is um, imperative for my work today, not because I'm doing dance work, but because a lot of it is me staying in tune with myself, um, noting my, knowing myself and noticing myself. And so I began to have that practice very early, just through movement and just through dance. And then those are the things that led me to know that I like to create and I like to move my hands and I like to work with my hands. Um, so art was something that I always loved. Never thought that I would do it. Never thought I could do it. Um, I was a black young girl from Dayton, Ohio, who's queer. And I didn't see any black young women, uh, queer folks that were doing art for a living. Um, around me and I didn't, there wasn't as much like representative media during that time, uh, the nineties and early two thousands where those stories are really um, publicized and, 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 and had a far reach. Um, now that I'm older and that is part of the field now is with me doing my own research and doing the work that is important to me, I realize 
that was completely false. I just didn't have access to it. But there's legacies of Black creatives and Black artists, um, Black designers, um, who I can also see myself in. And that also helped to inspire me to, I guess it just helped me to drop that story that I couldn't be what I wanted to be. Um, I was always interested in what I wanted to do, despite who the person was that was showing me that it was available. Um, I'm the kind of person that I'm going to take the lesson, the story from however it comes to me, whoever it comes through, what scenario it comes through. Um, However, it was also equally important to see someone like me also sharing stories and investing in me. And they, and these are not always people that know me. These have been things that I've researched through online, YouTube, um, artist talks that I found, um, as well as people that I have been able to meet later um, in life. So when it comes to like what I kind of studied in school and stuff, like after high school, um, I studied gender studies and I minored in arts administration and business. Um, I took so many art classes for fun. Again, not thinking that it was something that I could do just, and also not really trying to, I guess, um, I just didn't believe in it. I just was like, that's just something I like to do. I didn't think I was good enough. That's what it is to be an artist. Like, I just didn't think that I was like good enough. Still the art that I saw was maybe oil paintings, rendered work. And I'm an abstract artist. I'm a textile artist. I am a storyteller, so I wasn't really seeing, okay, how does this look for me on the visual side of things? Took so many classes that I was two credits away from being a studio art minor, (laughs) and I found this out my spring semester senior year when I was already graduating and already ahead of my studies and didn't, couldn't fit in that, that class and wasn't necessarily even trying to force it in, but that was something that I remember being a marker to say, Maybe there's something here. Maybe you do like this more than you're trying to lead on. Um, Maybe you're shutting the idea down because you don't believe it could happen. Um, And that was just like, that was just the first little thing. After school, I moved into uh, working in product development and production um, in fashion. So I actually started working for Ralph Lauren my senior year of college and then started work, working as an employee once I graduated for a few years. Mm-hmm. And that was also a moment. I have these very serendipitous spiritual moments that have happened that I remember being 10 playing fashion designer in my room. Again, never thinking that that could happen, never thinking I would be in that position. And fast forward, I'm 20 working at one of the top American you know, fashion houses, Fortune 500 company. And I didn't do anything on purpose to be here. (laughs) I did that while not even believing in myself. Mm. So it was things like that that really forced me to reflect, forced me to reshift my thinking about myself um, and really kind of get clear on and get confident in what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, How how do you feel about that today. I mean, I'm actually kind of curious, you know, from a, from an art standpoint, from a creativity standpoint, um, I've kind of wrestled with this myself as I paint, um, and, uh, my own journey with art, you know, I, um, 
took on the story that I wasn't a good artist when I was in high school, despite the fact that I loved being in the art room. Mm-hmm. I loved the energy <laughs> of it. I loved creating, yeah. but I didn't, for any number of reasons, um, really feel comfortable or or um, skilled enough to do kind of the curriculum that you know was was high school art. Um, you know, painting between the lines, so to speak, or painting in a specific genre, you know, that I just felt I wasn't good at and, um, and that it was supposed Mm -hmm. to be a certain way. And so Mm -hmm. kind of as an adult, I've decided to just start to like, um, throw paint around. Um, and part of that was about, you know, moving energy and and being creative, but I've started to question Mm -hmm. if it's like, uh, too safe, you know, that if it's not letting myself actually, um, you know, I don't know, hone a craft or um, remove the story around um, being, you know, good enough um, to actually paint something that um, isn't so abstract. So, so I'm kind of curious, you know, with your own art and even like, as you talk about, um, you know, arriving to at it by accident, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, and, and so I'm wondering like today, do you, do you still doubt yourself? You know, is there still some part of you as you create that, you know, is kind of wanting it to be good or, you know, focused on the end product or where it might hang or how people will respond to it. I, I'm just kind of curious about, you know, how you are with all of that and, and, you know, kind of the journey of that piece. Absolutely. Um, and this is <laughs> for context. I went to a performing arts high school, a visual and performing arts high school. So I was emerged in the arts always. So it's just, I say that to say, it's just still funny how if you don't believe in yourself, even though the environment can be there until you see it for yourself, um, you won't see it for yourself. So I think I still have that in me. I definitely still have a little bit of the doubt, but it's really not as strong (laughs) and not because I'm so confident in myself and I'm just so self-assured. Um, it's really just because I say often when I talk about my art practice, my art journey is my healing journey and my healing journey is my art journey. I was only able to dive into art and, and, and call myself an artist and speak about my art and do art and share art through me healing. Those things started at the same time. Um, I had a a very um, dark moment around 2015, 2016, my first year out of school, first year working, trying to do the thing that I thought I was supposed to do, which is get a good job and be excellent and continue to be excellent, transfer the excellent student mindset into excellent worker mindset. Um, I thought was like, easily, I can just climb this ladder. Not that that would be easy, but I could see that for myself as far as I could be the vice vice president. I love this. I love creating. I'm good at this. Um, But after a year or so in, I realized the politics of it, the narratives of it, the, the lack of freedom and true flexibility and liberation you can have in your life. Um, and not just specifically around just corporate, but I'm just saying around mindset more so. 
And it was important for me to change my mindset. Um, so there's been a lot of things that have happened that have made me change my mindset. And one of my most recent lessons around um, this belief was just this December and it's lasted or it's been, um, I've been practicing though that, that message that I was given since then um, because I was at a really tough spot again in December where I was not feeling confident, was not believing in myself, didn't know what to do next, was realizing that the plans that I was kind of prioritizing was from an idea of what would be successful, what would look like something that it needed to look like, and not particularly what I wanted to do or what was calling me, and not on purpose, but because so much we sacrifice and sabotage our own selves for external validation or judgment, even before we can even talk to ourselves and ask ourselves, what do, what do you, what are you feeling? What are you doing? Um, what do you want to do? I mean, um, so though it's been, it's been a five, six year practice though of me questioning myself and reflecting and, and healing through this. So when I feel that coming up, no matter if I, how much I might try to, okay, I can't sit with it right now. I know I have to sit with it. So December, I chose to sit with it. I worked up until about like the 16th of the month. And then I just stopped. <laughs> and I didn't know when I was going to get back on and how, what that was going to look like. But I knew my spirit wasn't right. Um, and, and these are just things that I'm mindful of. So generally I was, I was fine, but I just know when I'm not in alignment. I know when I'm not in alignment and I know when the universe when spirit is trying to speak to me and I know when I need to listen. So I sat down and I listened. It was very uncomfortable. I had planned to do a drop of some art. I had to, uh, or not had to, but I chose to not move forward with that for this. And I started building things with wood. <laughs> I started just woodworking projects. I started um, just doing some paintings on my own. It, there was a nice, nicely timed family vacation around that time where we uh, went up to a cabin in North Ohio and it was just all of us. And it was so nice. We were there for about four days. Um, and it was during my birthday, my tw coming into my 29th birthday. So it was just so nice to be in the woods, in the quiet, to sit out on the patio, look at the water and just sit and reflect for four days straight, um, as well as being with family and things like that. So I, I definitely, it still comes up. I mean, naturally, if you're making something, or I don't say naturally, but naturally for me, I do wonder, oh, I hope people like this. And I don't think anything's wrong with that. But I think what I have gotten better with is sacrificing myself and sacrificing my creative expression in hopes that people will like it. Because what do you do then if people don't like it or if it doesn't perform how you want it to do? Now you're sitting just with yourself and your work and being in that position and having to sit there, I now know even more that I want to be able to sit there and be proud of what I do um, and clear about what I do despite who doesn't get it? Because at the same time, there's a lot of people who do get it. And it's important that I focus in on that versus trying to appeal to someone who is not resonating with me. Like, um, 
Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit about kind of the um, the business of art. Um, you know, you're a professional artist, and I know you've got um, uh, a show coming up. Um, but but just tell me a little bit about kind of how you've navigated that part. You know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, history that shows that um, creatives. I mean, even you know, when I think about it, in like a from business standpoint, mm-hmm. outside of the art world, um, you know, it's oftentimes that you know people have different skill sets, and uh, you know, when you're uh, more of a, you know, in my case, I'm more of the creative for our business, um, mm-hmm. and I know the business well enough to to know it, but I'm not the person that's going to run the business. But, you know, as an artist, um, you kind of have to wear a lot of hats. So how have you learned to, you know, make art a career and a business? Yeah, I really think so twofold. Part of it is because as creative as I am, I'm also very, um, logistical and logical like I like to know the pieces of the parts of the things and what are the details and this that and the other and sometimes and that's why I have to separate those parts when I do go into the creative side because sometimes I notice especially early on you spoke about what art is supposed to look like that was definitely something that hindered me because I thought art was supposed to look like one thing um pro tip go see art if you're an artist struggling with that see art in person. It changes your whole perspective because once I could see art in person, I realized, okay, I don't, it doesn't have to be this perfect thing, but moving forward, um, that is something I have to do because I would come into a painting already trying to say what you're going to be. And the painting checks me every time. It's like, no, what you're going to do is grab your supplies. You're going to have a conversation with me and we're going to figure out together what this is going to be. And each time that I approach it with less and less expectation, I'm happier with the results. Um, so part of it is that I do have that logistical mind as well as that very creative dream big. Like I can also just dream of crazy things <laughs> that maybe have no steps to it. Um, so it has been important that as I'm on this entrepreneurial journey, as I'm pursuing art professionally and just in my life that I balance between those two things and that I don't see that I have to only be one of those things, but that, um, I can use both really to my advantage, at least, um, something else that has also helped was my previous careers. So working in product development, working in production, working in um, fabric operations. I then moved to work with West Elm with visual merchandising. So then being able to know how to build out spaces, how to design spaces, um, how to, what, what colors, what awesome like colors matches that maybe I wouldn't have thought of color palettes, color theories, and also what customers like. Now I really got to see more of the customer side working in that position because I'm dealing with Although I wasn't a sales associate, and at that time, like our, our teams were kind of separate in the sense of during the day, I was truly just building up that my my work day was building out the store, and I was have it was an awesome, <laughs> awesome time. Uh, whether I was painting walls, whether I was building gallery walls, whether I was building sets, um, but I also got to overhear conversations with customers and our sales associates on what they needed in their space, what they wanted in that in their space, and that honestly helps me particularly now as I'm building out my design studio, which is my latest project, um, 
because this is a space of an intersection of art design, um, ritual, and like how I like to say, bringing the gallery home. Um, mm-hmm. How can we make contemporary art accessible? How can we get it in the in the hands of people, in the homes of people, um, where people can interact with contemporary fine art outside of just a gallery space or a museum space? Um, yeah, the- explain that a little more. I'm yeah. kind of curious, like, you know, ex- exactly how you're going to execute on that. Bringing the gallery home, are you saying? Yeah, this kind of, you know, outside of the gallery studio kind of approach. Well, for me, that that is important. I guess the ethos or the the reason why that's important is because I, again, bringing, going back to my context and myself, I was someone who was introduced to art outside of galleries and museums. And if I wasn't, if there wasn't spaces where as a young kid um, in Dayton, Ohio, in a predominantly Black city that I wasn't able to, or neighborhoods that I wasn't able to meet art and say hello to art and shake art's hand and kind of, you know, sit next to it and get to know it, I would, I might not have been able to even just express just intuitively as a kid, not even maybe thinking all the way as a career. But it is important to me that people get to experience art outside of galleries and museums. And there's a lot of people amongst race, gender, um, class, uh, geography that want to experience and that resonate with art outside of museums and galleries. Now, I love museums and galleries. That's just because I'm an art nerd. I love to go to museums for fun. I love, I volunteer at one of our local galleries here for fun. Um, I love to be around artists. I love to be around art. I love to help produce artistic spaces and creative spaces. Um, However, that is not everyone's interest entrance point and that's not everyone's comfort level as well. Um, So with the design studio, I have kept that in mind when I think about services that are offered um, as well as programming that are offered. So I'm excited for the summer to be offering some creative workshops at our gallery. I'm sorry, at the design studio space um, that offer creative writing, that offer affirmation art, that offer um, abstract art and fiber art, classes that I'll be teaching myself, classes that I'll be partnering with other, excuse me, teaching artists. This also looks like we have an art rental program that we are um, ushering out this spring um, and actually already have placement for um, some of the pieces. And that looks like pieces that I have painted um, from a contemporary fine art abstract perspective. Um, Same amount of time, same amount of effort, same amount of intention. However, instead of only being able to purchase the piece, which is how, you know, majority of art, how that works. And that is a fine model as well. Um, With our art rental program, we have pieces that are available for rent, for events, uh, media and film, photo shoots, office, retail, and restaurant um, shops. So we actually have placement for these rental pieces um, in an office, uh, an office, small business here in downtown Dayton. So that's kind of what I mean by that's an example of what I mean by that. Um, we offer sourcing as well within that program. So if you need prop sourcing, wanting to just be a, a connector for people that have ideas and visions, but maybe don't know 
as much about art to know how to go about it. And with me having that business background, I can use that as a way to build a foundation for the business as well. Yeah. And it sounds like it's really uh, a pretty holistic offering, you know, for people who, you know, might be struggling with some of the things that, you know, most artists struggle with and you've struggled with. So it's a pretty um, exciting approach, I think, to supporting artists and, um, you know, supporting creativity and, and educating, you know, I think there's a lot of um, really great value in what you're doing. Um, Yeah. Tell me, you know, anything else that kind of jumps out about kind of your life today, your work today, anything that um, you want to make sure you share with the audience? Yeah, I I have, um, I have a newsletter. So if you go to my website, feel free to sign up to whoever's listening. If you're interested in kind of some things I talk about, I work through some of these thoughts sometimes in my newsletter um, and as well as sharing my art. But uh, for January, I was mentioning how this year I've coined it as for me, the year of devotion. Um, So that is kind of where my mindset is both personally and professionally. Um, I'm really committed to devoting my time and my energy to myself um, and to my art. I think it's funny because the same kind of lessons that I was brought to five, six years ago when I was experiencing a really deep depression, um, I have been returned back to, but in a whole different environment, a whole different space uh, and with different variables. So it's really nice to have a little bit of um, notes that I can look back on. So this year, instead of being so freaked out by that as how I initially was to say, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to do this one thing for the rest of my life. And now I'm being guided into something totally different. I have more confidence around that now. I did have a freak out moment. That was that December moment where I'm like, what is going on? But through January, through February, through March, taking time from social, taking time just to create for me, not sharing anything, it has really deeply and better positioned me as I guide myself and as I guide my business um, and what I want to do. So I'm devoted to my work and I'm just devoted to following those, those messages that I get. So I'm really excited with what we're offering right now. Um, we do have, um, I'm having an event that I'm planning in May on May 15th, that will be at our studio in Dayton, Ohio. Um, it's centered around my celebrating three years uh, business anniversary, um, but I'm excited because I'll actually be able to introduce this design studio space to the community here. Um, I'll have a pop-up gallery and showroom to kind of showcase the work that I have been working on. Uh, so this looks like tables that I've, little tables that I've made, um, handcrafted mirrors, um, custom textiles, and just all the things that I love to create and kind of building that world um, for people to visit and we'll have music and live live music and performances. So right now that is what I'm gearing up for. And I have um, a team of other collabor- collaborators that are helping me with the planning of this from the creative consultancy side, people who are better with the business of it all, <laughs> as well as other creatives like photographers and 
performing artists that are helping to add to and um, activate the space and really bring that intention to the space. So that is what I'm working on right now. Um, and that's what I'm about right now. Yeah. And yeah, I'm flexible to see, you know, where, where then this will take me. Sure, sure. Well, I have no doubt it'll continue to unfold beautifully. And I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to share your story and, um, and appreciate the work that you're doing. I think it's great. I love this idea of um, doing things your way. And um, despite maybe some of the um, conditioning and societal expectations or norms, you know, you continue yeah. to kind of recreate how you experience life and how you work and how you make a difference for your family and, and, and others. Um, so thank you for all of that. And, uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time to join me on the show. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, Brett. Thank you to your team who has helped to coordinate this so well. Um, and just thank you. I don't know if you know, but I was able to have some artwork in your space. So thank I did. You. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for building the space for, for artists to be able to have, um, opportunities like that. So, yeah. um, I'm just happy to be here. I have not done any kind of speaking engagements in a while. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's rip the bandaid off. So thank you for kind of ushering me back into this for this year. Yeah, no, it's part of an initiative that we're um, kind of leaning into and just how we can support the arts. Um, so gravity yeah. is a space that, you know, we want to be able to, um, you know, give artists an opportunity to share their work and, and the same is for the podcast, you know, so it's great when we can mm -hmm. do both, but, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, thank you again. We'll make sure that, uh, people know where to find you in the show notes and, uh, and, uh, yeah, good luck and stay in touch. Thank you. Yes. If you need any more information, let me know, but, um, I'm just happy to be here today. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks, Toby. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak. 